Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. In the drawing room, a group of suspects gathered. The detective has solved the mystery. Ladies and gentlemen, the butler did it. <laughs> You'll never catch me. The butler darted to his getaway car. But what he didn't know is this is a Nissan sales event ad. Wait, what? And his car is no match for the detective's Nissan Rogue or its standard VC turbo engine. Save on one of your own at the Nissan Thrill of the Drive sales event. Now get 0% APR financing for 36 months on select models. Availability is limited. For well-qualified buyers, 0% APR financing for 36 months available on new 2023 Altima Rogue and Pathfinder when financed through NMAC. Must take delivery from new dealer stock. 36 months financing at $27.78 per month per thousand financed. Actual down payment may vary subject to residency restrictions and NMAC credit approval. Not all buyers qualify. Dealer contribution may affect actual price set by dealer. Contact dealer for details. Offer ends 2 23 You gotta understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. What are you getting so crazy about? It's just music. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, a Sound Opinions Valentine's Day celebration. Love is good, love stinks, sometimes love is just lust. We're going to celebrate all aspects of it today. Plus, we're going to review the new album by pop-punk heartthrobs Fallout Boy. You're listening to Sound Opinions... And in a moment, some music news. But first, let's welcome our new affiliate. Greg Interlochen Public Radio has added us. They're in northern Michigan by Traverse City Way. For our purposes as music people, we like to play a song from that area whenever uh, we add a new affiliate. And uh, I guess the most famous thing about Interlochen is the music and arts camp up there. 1,200-acre campus. I mean, we got to get ourselves invited to speak. <laughs> yeah. is what we gotta do. But some famous musicians, uh, not necessarily good, but famous. Chip Davis <laughs> of Mannheim Steamroller came out of there. Pete Erskine, who is good, the great jazz drummer. Josh Groban, but uh, I wanted to play something really cool here. Bruce Johnston went to Interlochen, and he has long time been a member of the Beach Boys. But 1960, he made a recording in the studio with Sandy Nelson, the drummer. It was under the band name The Gamblers, and it was the first mention ever of acid on a rock record. Wow. 1960. Oh, that's We're talking, cool. you know, six years, <laughs> seven years before the Summer of Love and Sgt. Pepper's. It was called LSD 25. Thank you, Interlocking.
time now for some music news. That, of course, is the Beatles' Greg singing about a different kind of revolution, lo, those many years ago. We are in the midst of the digital revolution. Quick news aside, Apple, the Beatles record company, and Apple, the computer giant, have agreed to not sue each other. <laughs> the rec- the rec- what a shock. The record company, Apple, was uh, was suing Apple for, you know, they were both in the music business, and Apple thought the name was confusing. They're not going to sue each other. They've dropped all that brouhaha. And now this, of course, paves the way for the holy grail of digital downloading, the Beatles catalog, which right now is not available anywhere to download, but probably will be soon. Those numbers will be interesting. The bigger news is that the head of Apple, Steve Jobs, the visionary of that company, has put out a statement, which really a long essay, where he was arguing, surprising pretty much everybody who's been watching the way digital music sales have unfolded. He's arguing that the sellers of online music should get rid of digital rights management software, DRM software. That's the coding that all these different online music stores are putting on MP3 files that prohibits you from playing them on each other's machines. You buy a song online from iTunes, Apple's online store, and you can put it on your iPod if you know a little bit about computers. It's not that hard, but you can burn it to a CD, Mm -hmm. take it around, play it on your boombox, your stereo, whatever, and even download that CD into a different music player. But Jobs, even though he's cornered the market with Apple, with the iPod, knows that there are other MP3 players out there and other systems, other stores online. He's saying, this is silly. We should get rid of all the coding because it's not really doing much to stop piracy anyway. I quote, Why would the big four music companies agree to let Apple and others distribute their music without using DRM systems to protect it? The simplest answer is because DRMs haven't worked and may never work to halt music piracy. So he's saying, why bother with this? Let's put it out there. This, of course, comes against the backdrop of yet another news study, this one from a web consultant's Big Champagne. This made a lot of news yesterday. Mm-hmm. They're saying, you know, once again, the sky is falling and online piracy is killing music. They were, they were claiming to have a, a ridiculous number here of more than a billion tracks stolen. That is copyrighted music downloaded without anybody paying for it last year. Where do they get this number? Who knows? There's no way to measure tracks that are being traded for free on the Internet without anybody buying them. There's no way to know that maybe I downloaded this track, I really liked it, and then I bought the album. There's just no way to know. You know, remind everybody, we talked about this several times, and we can't say it enough because everybody seems to ignore it. Last year was the biggest year in the history of music for sales. (laughs) Well, but what can't be denied, Jim, is that illegal downloads are outstripping the regulated downloads by a large margin. We don't know how much, but there's no dispute that the illegal downloading industry is thriving at the expense of the regular music industry. At the same time, the regular industry is thriving. The regular industry isn't doing too bad. And the fact that Steve Jobs, a man who is basically in bed with that industry, is now calling for the end to this anti-copying software is, is a huge announcement. In the past, it had sort of been these rogue CEOs, people like Michael Robertson, the head of MP3.com, people like Lawrence Lessig, you know, who are perceived in some ways as a 
opponents of the mainstream music industry uh, calling for the end of these kind of regulations. But now you've got a guy who's making a lot of money off the mainstream music industry so yeah. taking these regulations There's off. a lot of theories. Uh, we, we, frankly, have been scratching our heads trying to figure out what Jobs' mm. angle is here. We can't quite figure it out. Some people say what he really wants, he knows that the record companies are never going to agree to, to, to this. So what he really wants is for Apple's particular code to be the one that's embraced universally. What is Jobs really up to? This is step one in a complicated chess game. We've invited him on the show. Come on anytime. Apparently he's too busy <laughs> making those TV commercials where he's goofing on the PC guy. Believe it or not, Kenny Loggins appears to be a part of the future of the music industry as well, Jim. <laughs> I don't, it's I don't hard believe to believe. That. No, but uh, the Target Corporation, the big retail chain, fourteen hundred stores across America, is going into the music business. While the music business itself is shrinking, the number of major labels is down to four. It appears that the retail industry is expanding its reach into the music industry. We had Starbucks getting in, involved, Walmart getting involved to an extent. Now the Target Corporation is forming its own record label devoted to artists like Kenny Loggins, like Carol King, like Brian Wilson, Burt Bacharach, Chris Christofferson, Willie Nelson, Richard Marks. They're going to be putting out new albums by these artists in the next few weeks, charging consumers $9.99 per CD and uh, thinking that there's a, an audience out there that isn't being served by the mainstream music industry right now, that they are more than willing to, to fill the niche. It makes some sense, Jim, because the vast majority of consumers who are buying CDs these days are older listeners. Most of the uh, younger listeners are downloading their music, as the statistics are telling us. But now they're saying there's an audience out there that isn't being served, this older demographic, 40-plus, and, uh, and target is moving into the gap. I think Target's missing an opportunity here. What they really need to do is open kiosks in nursing homes across America. <laughs> That'll be next, given their, their roster of artists. song lends itself to so many easy puns. That is Ozzy Osbourne, of course. Is he that man crazy? Well, yes, he is. He's giving away concert tickets this summer. That's what uh, Ozzy Osbourne and his wife Sharon Osbourne announced this week. Shocking news, Jim. I mean, here we have one of the most successful touring festivals in the history of rock music. Ozfest yeah. for the last 11 years has been one of the most lucrative summer tours. Summer devoted, not. Devoted to mainstream heavy metal. And uh, with Ozzy as, as the figurehead, uh, mm -hmm. frequently headlining the event, as he will this summer. The big difference this summer, though, is that the tickets will be free. Uh, corporate sponsorship apparently will cover the costs for OzFest in the summer of 2007, the 25-date tour. They will be hitting uh, major markets like San Diego, San Francisco, Chicago, Indianapolis, Charlotte, Philadelphia, Boston, New York, Nashville, you name it. They'll be giving away the tickets at every site. And interesting move, an interesting uh, shot fired across the bow of the touring industry, which has been notorious for raising ticket prices annually. Now the average cost of a major summer tour is well over 50 bucks. Sometimes you can't get in unless you pay $100 plus. Here we are giving away the tickets for free. There is a caveat here, though. It does sound like, Jim, they don't have 
that a major big headliner. headlining act. There's got to be an that angle that will sell those tickets. Excuse us for being cynical, but we're always looking for an angle here. Jobs is saying get rid of copyright. There's got to right. be an angle. Got to be an angle. You know, especially when Sharon Osbourne is one of the smartest people in the history of the music industry in terms of the empire she's built yeah. for her husband. Who, let's face it, Machiavellian, is not, not the sharpest <laughs> tool in the shed. Right? You know, I, I think that they don't have a big headliner. There's a lot of talk in their press release, and there was a lot of talk at the press conference about uh, we're, we're going to expose new bands. That means nobody who could actually draw people <laughs> yes. to pay. And also about Live Nation, which is the corporate megalith, which is uh, going to run the tour, saying we just want to say thank you to fans. Look, they don't say thank you for anything except yeah. ha- handing over the money. Exactly. I think it's an interesting concept. You know, we, we get you into the seats, give you a lot of bands you've never heard of. You buy T-shirts and beer and, and pretzels, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's happy. We don't have to pay these bands because, you know, they just rolled off the bus. Who cares? Right? Exactly. song called The Take Over, The Breaks Over from the fourth album by Fall Out Boy, a band from suburban Chicago out here that has risen from the lowest underground depths to the highest peaks of modern celebrity. <laughs> Why are we talking about it up top on the news? It's sure to debut at number one next week. Their last album, 2005, from Under the Cork Tree, sold three million copies, and these guys have become huge. Greg, they started the Fireside Bowl, which was Chicago's big underground punk rock incubator, and were a hardcore band that called themselves softcore because they liked melodies, so they <laughs> stuck some of that into the abrasive punk sound, have morphed into more of a pop punk band. These guys are a phenomenon to the point where Def Jam Records president Jay-Z, who is now basically running Island Records, endorsed this record by coming on, giving them a shout-out at the beginning of the disc, and kind of overseeing it, inspiring them to do this big release day hoop Remember a couple of years ago, Jay-Z played New York, Chicago, and L.A. in the same day. Mm-hmm. He inspired Fallout Boy to do the same thing just a couple of days ago. They started and, and played nationwide <laughs> uh, tri-coastal tour in the space of 24 hours. This is going to be a huge record. You're going to uh, not be able to escape it for the next couple of months, and uh, we might as well dive in. I would play the single, but it's got two words we can't say together on, on the air. Let's play a different song called Thriller, which I think kind of sums up their spirit. It's a song about how your life can be saved by a vinyl 7-inch 45.
That's Thriller from the new Fallout Boy record, Infinity on High, one of several songs I'm sure you're never going to be able to escape for about the next year. This band will be all over commercial radio. They're going to be touring relentlessly. They are making a huge effort here to differentiate themselves from the rest of the pop-punk pack. Bands like Good Charlotte, Sum 41, Simple Plan, All-American Rejects, these bands have all had success with a similar kind of sound over the last four or five years, sort of offshoots of that uh, Green Day offspring sound of the early 90s, which in turn is offshoots of what the Ramones were doing back in the 70s. Who we're going to talk about next week, by the way. We're going to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Ramones. It all comes from the Ramones. Indeed. And and I think that Fall Out Boy realizes, hey, there's a lot of bands out there that sound like this. We're going to try to differentiate ourselves from this pack. Big stadium rock-worthy sound. This band has ambitions to play stadiums. This album was meant to rock stadiums. You know, I like the idea of uh, of Jay-Z being a part of this record, although he's just kind of a a cheerleader on that one track, the Thriller song we just played. Uh, Babyface, interesting idea to work with Babyface, one of the most important R&B producers of the last 15 years. But they don't really do much with Babyface. They introduce some uh, orchestration and some flamenco guitar, which are kind of Babyface trademarks on a couple of tracks, but they really don't go very far in terms of changing who they are in terms of the groove, in terms of the rhythms. There's not a whole lot of R&B on this record. I wish there was an attempt to maybe cross over a little bit more. They sort of dabble around in different sounds. Patrick Stump, the vocalist, Jim, I have to say, impressive singer. Yeah. I, I admire this band, Jim. I have to say, I admire I admire the way they've gone about their business. They now, are clearly ambitious. Can but you say I that again? Can but you say I, that again? Because I've been fighting with you about Full Out Boy for years, before we got to public radio, and you, you just, I, you no, wouldn't I, even I, reveal but I, them on, but I don't, on the show I don't think me. they pull it off. I, I still think they're... Oh, I knew there was they're, they're still very much, uh, they're trying not to be generic, because previously I thought they were a very generic pop-punk band. On this record, they're trying to separate themselves, but I can't get over the fact that on almost every song, there's a clear reference here. It's, it seems like Stump can channel uh, all these singers. I mean, I hear a little bit of Steve Perry and, and Journey. I hear a little bit of Spandau Ballet. There's a song called The Afterlife of the Party, where it, it's a straight-up Spandau Ballet new, new Romantics track from the 80s. There's that song, I've Got All This Ringing in My Ears, where I swear it's that hammy Rob Thomas Matchbox 20 sound. They sound like everyone but themselves. I don't oh, think there's a real true. I don't think there's a not real true. personality underneath this band. And oh, and I that's... think that's what it's lacking. I think it's a big, well done, craftsmanlike product. It's all about individual singles and individual moments on the radio. They're gonna sound pretty good, but I don't hear a personality here. I don't hear a real substance here. I don't hear a real depth here that I want from a great band. That's and they are just, not there yet. That's just because I've been writing about them longer than you and you've been ignoring them and you haven't <laughs> listened hard enough. And listen, there's three million thirteen year olds who agree with me. All right. To be clear, this is bubblegum music. But it's exceptionally smart bubblegum music. On the one hand, you're saying they're not doing anything ambitious. On the other hand, you're saying they're doing a new romantic song as punk pop. That's ambitious. And the dance rhythms that they're bringing in, I think it's very much akin to what Blondie tried to do with something like Heart of Glass, where we're trying to bring in disco but stay punk. Listen, pop punk is the most narrow genre in the history of music. You know, there are rules, right? It's got to be three minutes. It's got to be catchy. It's got to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? Real fast, all right? They're staying within those rules but doing really interesting things, including the lyrics. People are dissecting Pete Wentz's lyrics. He has a penchant for puns, literary allusions, talking about poetry. At the end of the day, it's nothing profound. Well, the idea thank that you. you can play thank a f- you. But but Greg, it's timeless. You know, we, oh. we both have teenage daughters, right? Yeah. And they both love high school musical and they both love Fallout Boy. My my daughter was really excited. Dad, you've talked to Fallout Boy? Yeah. And yeah, then right. they outgrow it. But that and that's fine. You I'd know? rather have 
my daughter listening to Fall Out Boy, you know, and the idea that rock and roll can save your life, kid, if you play the right single, than, than her wanting to be Ashley Tisdale. But, well, fine, but don't insult a Ramones fan and say this is as good as the Ramones. I, I mean, it's say not, it was as, it's not even as I, good as Green Day. When did I say it was as good as the Ramones? It's not. It's better than the last Green you're Day You're going to tell me you're going to buy this record. You're going to uh, recommend yes. that people buy should buy it, this record. Buy it, burn it, trash it is how we rate things. This is a buy it album. I really think that this is a good, stupid, fun punk pop uh, record. I, I, I cannot go there. I think there's a few nice singles on here that are worth burning, but it is definitely not a buy it record. I think it's a burn it at best. When we come back on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, Greg, a first for the show in its public radio incarnation. We left the studio, we went over to the Chicago Cultural Center, and we taped our special Valentine's Day feature live in front of an audience. It was good times, good fun. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cott. He's Jim DeRogatis. And uh, we're here live from the Chicago Cultural Center to uh, celebrate love, lust, and having your heart smashed into a million little pieces just in time for Valentine's Day. And in order to do this, we got some special guests here tonight returning to Sound Opinions, but the first time uh, for public radio incarnation, right, Robbie? That's right, Jim. Robbie Falks uh, has not released a new album since 2005, Georgia Hard, right? That's right. My new one's called uh, Revenge with an exclamation point. It's coming out in a couple months. Cool. And you brought your lovely wife, Donna, uh, about whom uh, I I hope you weren't writing in 2001, uh, Couples in Trouble. No? (laughs) (laughs) It was a work of fiction, Jim. So, But uh, you're going to kick some things off with some music, right? Well, yeah, I think we were going to do this song that was on that Georgia Hard record that... A little drunken sort of country duet between Donna and me. You caught my eye clear across the bar, that's a hell of a walk. What's a girl like you? My sign is enough small talk. This joint's too loud and crowded, I can tell you agree. So I'm gonna take you home and make you like me. No, come here a minute. Did you ever get the feeling like you're stuck on something at first sight? Not really. 
really? Like you warm all over what the Germans call you mutlich, kite. Nine. You're a hot little chicky. I'm a handsome stud. You do the biology. I'm take you home and make you like me. Yeah, I'm gonna take you far from here. Out of the valley in the shadow of beer. And up to a higher place where you belong. So sail away in my SUV and get a little closer to the real me. Then you'll see your first impressions oh so wrong. What? Your routine's all rusty. It's not working, trust me. In fact, you disgust me, you drunk hill fella. She likes me. I just smiled in passing. Now stop your harassing. And finally, one last thing. Oh, don't say it. I couldn't stand to see you leave the cultural center. You know, you're the cutest little thing that's walked in the, what's this hall called? The, I, I, the Claudia Kristen Schiffer Memorial. Claudia Schiffer Atori- Memorial Atorium. Hall. I'm sure there's plenty of cute girls 1982. Here. You look so hot. and you'll hit one, I'm sure. I know I don't look like so much, but I'm a big important fella here in the Chicago so. community. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm down here at the Cultural Center uh, scouting for talent for uh, Bloodshot Records. <laughs> what sort of talent exactly? Well, you know, uh. Alternative country talent. Now, oh, can, really? you, can you sing at all? No, I'm not a Perfect. singer. Perfect, you're in. <laughs> Listen up. I'm just going to give you my business card here. It's down you know, in my I, pocket. I, I'm and, not uh, that it's next to my Don't go to all the keys and my. I, um, there's a guitar uh, pick, and I know, you know it's down I gotta here get somewhere. These, uh, no, it's in the sex other Sex is on the beach. Back to my you friends. Know what? I, I, now, I really oh am. my goodness! Here is a duplicate key in here, and. It, I, <laughs> I think it has what your name it on it. Now, Ooh. why don't you just take that, put it in your pocket there. I had no I idea. You would... stool here in case, but why don't you pick it up? You know what? I, I'm not going to be needing those. You never I, know when it might really, come in handy. Really, I'm not that interested. You'll be Trust late me. one Please. night. You'll be missing me. I you'll be... don't Come on, just put it in your pocket. No, come on, Donna. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. I'm going to take you home, little hottie. I'm going to take you. Hey, bartender, where's the tag? I want to settle up now. You stay right here. I'm going to vomit. You're going to love my great big dad guy. Bloodshot, hating, <laughs> thick skulled hound dog. You are so drunk that you have forgotten that we is married. We is? We is. Oh, <laughs> I thought you looked familiar. Mm-hmm. Well, me, you, a buffet, 30 of our best friends. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, you know, I'm going to follow the implicit advice in the hook of this song yeah. and. Uh, I'd better take you home and make you like me. Thank you. Thank you. Robbie and Donna Falks setting the theme for tonight. Uh, very well. The Thank mood. you, Robbie. I'm going to take you home, make you like yeah. me. Irreverence, too, I think is a big part of the show tonight. Uh, we are not taking As the, opposed to usual, the right? cliched <laughs> look at, at Valentine's Day. It'll be... Uh, Quite irreverent, hopefully, and uh, hopefully also uh, with quite a bit of participation from the audience here in, at the Chicago Cultural Center, so we're looking forward to that. When we do these shows where Greg and I go back and forth and, uh, and choose songs, we always have Matt Spiegel come out and flip the coin. Ceremonial coin toss. A ceremonial coin a, uh, toss, yes. A coin with uh, Barry White first. on one side and uh, Tom Jones on the other. I'm calling the round mound of sound for obvious reasons. It's me. I get to go first. All right. So Barry we're going, White wins. We're starting with Love Stinks. This is, obvious, this is obviously uh, songs that, about the downside of love, right? Yes. Right. Well, I mean, look, if you're, if you're doing any sort of song about uh, 
relationship woes, you have to go to the Rolling Stones. I mean, there was nobody That's else. That's true. You know, I, I don't think anybody has mastered misogyny better. No one than... hates women more than the Rolling Stones. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. I mean, you know, where do you start? There's only 50 or 60 choices, right? But I wanted to try to go with a tune that I think can be taken from the women's perspective, too. I mean, I think this is a great I hate you and I wish you were dead song. And, and I'm talking, of course, about <laughs> dead flowers. Yes. It's classic Mick, you know, one-upping. You know, you can send me dead flowers every morning, but I'm going to put roses on your grave. And I can't wait until I get there because, you know, I'm probably going to dance up and down on it. And he's had, what, three ex-wives? Or... Alimony-wise, it must feel like at least three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. I think Bianca's... I don't well, think actually, two, right? Two, it's only two. Two right. Should yeah. be more. There you go. Got to do dead flowers. Dead flowers, Jim. Coming at you. Well, when you're sitting there in your silk upholstered chair Talking to some rich folks that you know Well, I hope you won't see me in my ragged company you know I could never be on your grave. Thank you. It's just a little piece of it. Just a little piece. So you don't get bored. That's right. So Stones, 71, Sticky Fingers, classic. You're trying to ape Graham Parsons. Absolutely. And what's one of their best songs in the hating vein? And you would expect that of the Rolling Stones. So I'm going to go with a, uh, a song from a couple that you would least expect to write a hateful song about relationships in some ways because um, they're such nice people. Richard and Linda Thompson, individually and together for a long time, were as nice a couple as you'd want to meet. Then uh, they made a record called Shoot Out the Lights in 1982. It was actually written in 1979, but in 1982 they were going through a really nasty divorce. The story goes that Richard went on a solo tour while Linda was pregnant with their third child. And during that tour, he ended up meeting some Los Angeles concert promoter, fell in love, and uh, basically told Linda when he got home that, you know, the marriage is over. We're done. They just recorded this album, Shoot Out the Lights, and uh, it was the most successful record they'd ever made. They were invited to tour the United States for the first time. So what are you going to do? You know, you're about, you're, your husband has just told you, honey, I know you're pregnant, but meanwhile, I'm, uh, you know, went on the road and found this other woman. And how would you like to go out on tour, you know, promote our new album? Uh, I once interviewed Linda Thompson. She called it the tour from hell. I got to see the Chicago show on that tour. And it was a great show. I mean, there was a lot of passion, a lot of emotion in the room. You know, they were investing a lot of emotion into these songs, which all happened to be about couples breaking up. It was really weird. Richard had written all these songs, and then he gave some of the nastiest songs to Linda to sing. So there was like this conversation going back and forth between these two people on stage. And something happened during the show where you could just tell something snapped. 
in Linda. And as they were walking off the stage, Richard says, leans over and tries to say something to her. And I saw her with her stiletto-heeled boots give him a nice kick right in the shins just as they were walking <laughs> off the stage. So all the tension just sort of popped there. Anyway, you can hear it in the song. It's called Walking on a Wire from uh, the Shoot Out the Lights record. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of tension in our version, uh, Greg. Uh, I'm actually going to do the Johnny Cash version if it's all right. Good. You guys like Johnny Cash, right? I hand you my ball and chain You just hand me that same old refrain I'm walking on a wire I'm walking on a wire And I'm falling Back to you, Greg and Jim Impressive baritone. That sounds like it hurts, Robbie. <laughs> to go that low. Well, the whole, the whole premise of Sound Opinions, the thing, obviously, uh, Greg and I looked up to what uh, Siskel and Ebert did. Um, but the difference is that, you know, you couldn't really talk back to Siskel and Ebert, whereas uh, every 10-year-old who was at uh, High School Musical, which we both had a review last week, is convinced <laughs> that they know more about music than we do. But we, we welcome this. Because everybody's a critic, and that's what Sound Opinions is about. And so we have some audience suggestions for great Love Stinks songs. First up, I think, is, is Tracy. Why did you want to give us a Love Stinks song, Tracy? I hope you're not in a bad place right now. No, actually I'm not. <laughs> this album was an anthem of my husband's right when I met him. The entire album counts as a Love Stinks record. Mm-hmm. It's a Sebado Bake Sale. <laughs> and okay. my personal favorite is Not a Friend. He's just a mess. He can't trust himself. He can't forgive himself. He's limp. He's whatever. But the music itself <laughs> is actually really happy kind of summertime music. So that's why I like that So one. you're saying you and your husband fell in love over this album about how love is a miserable, horrible, awful thing. Yes. We've been together for 12 years. It worked. All right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> let's let's hear a little uh, of Sebado. No matter how close we are, far, far away, I have too much now to fill my day today. I'm not a good friend, I'm not a friend. It's a little bit of uh, Not a Friend from Sebado. Tracy, thanks for the choice. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. We're going to go to our second topic now, which is the, the endless love, the everlasting love, the true love, the, the song we would not be ashamed for our significant others to hear when we yeah. air this radio show. When I was thinking about this category, I was actually sort of gravitating towards Bob Dylan. I was thinking, well, Bob Dylan's written some of the greatest songs in the 20th century, and uh, there was a ton of great songs about women and muses in there that I thought, well, got to be one of them. But... When I started thinking about Dylan, what I hit upon was when he was in, in this very contentious press conference in, uh, in England on one of his first tours of England. And 
the press was just inundating him with all these inane questions, and there were really no serious answers that uh, Dylan gave throughout the entire press conference, but they asked him who his favorite poet was. And uh, without blinking, he said Smokey Robinson. And everybody thought he was joking, but he wasn't. He said, Smokey Robinson is the greatest living American poet. And uh, I think... But then he wrote that, that book time, and said, Gorgeous George the yeah. Wrestler is the greatest talent of the 21st century. Right. I Although, don't know if he can always take him seriously. I don't know, but I'll, I'll take Dylan at his word on that one. Um, and I think what he was, might have been referring to is uh, a song like You've Really Got a Hold on Me. Uh, because when I think about that song, when I first heard it, I, I responded to the sound of Smokey's voice. Um, to my mind, it was him trying to write a doo-wop song. It was right after the doo-wop era, 1962. As you know, Jim, I'm a sucker for doo-wop songs. You put, you know, you put a doo-wop song on, and I'll pretty much do just about anything you want. So <laughs> don't get any ideas. But you still you diss the new but, Damon Albarn, and it's got yes, that well, cool doo-wop song it's boring. on it. But uh, this is not boring. Uh, and Smokey, that first line, though, is, it, it, is what kills me every time. I don't like you, but I love you. And that is about as serious an adult line about love that I, as I can think of in a pop song. <laughs> I don't like you, but I love you. There's sometimes, you know, there's, there's things you don't like about a person, but you can't, you can't help yourself. You still love them. And uh, I just think it's one of the best love songs ever written. Donna and Robbie, you're now honorary members of the Miracles. Uh, Smokey Robinson has just invited you into the group. Very nice, very nice. Thank you. You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We'll be right back with more of our Valentine's Day showcase live at the Chicago Cultural Center.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We are celebrating Valentine's Day live from the Chicago Cultural Center. You're going to hear more from our musical guests, Robbie and Donna Folks, but right now we're talking about our second category of love songs, love songs that stand the test of time. It wouldn't be sound opinions if I didn't mention Brian Eno once on this show. <laughs> and his contention as early as 1972 was that no rock band should ever write another love song because it's all been done. What's the point? You know, and... Uh, uh, but that having been said, I think that when you come at it from a different angle, you can still write a timeless love song. So yeah. I wanted to choose one, uh, and I mulled over this. You know, I, I was thinking hard. I wanted to choose one that that, that said something in, in a slightly different way. And so, uh, so I came up with this one, which is from one of the best debut EPs of all time. There but for the grace of God, these four guys from <laughs> Seattle, they should have been Nirvana. They would have been Nirvana. It was a year and a half too early. You know, a year and a half later... Teen Spirit comes along. These guys never had the break. Uh, they should have. I think this song is every bit as good, and so were the other songs on Super Fuzz, Big Muff, the immortal record. Yeah. What I like about this is it's such a typically guy love song, Yeah, and, and I'll explain what I mean about that after, after Robbie and Donna give us a little. Oh, th- Thank you for giving us the chance to do uh, I Never Heard Mud Honey before. How many people know this song called If I Think? Oh, good, good. Good, good. I'm not so out of it. Well, it's got a pretty part in it and a, and a noisy part in it. So. <laughs> I forgot how to breathe. I forgot how to breathe. I forgot just what I need. I forgot just what I need. Saw the world laid out before me. I saw everything so small. It's tiny, it's small. If I think, I think of you. 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 Rendition. That was pretty cool. You see what I'm saying, though. A year and a half before Teen Spirit, and they got the whole quiet verse, and then the heavy chorus, and the <laughs> yeah, they got the dynamics going there. Yeah, they had the whole thing. Could that have been was, a hit. That was the formula. It should, and I mean, what a you know, what a typically guy thing to say. If I think, I think of you. 
Usually I don't even think, though, you know. I mean, it's, but when I think, I do. I think of you, right. That was the EP that also had Touch Me, I'm Sick on it. Yeah, so that yeah, was yeah. Another, that's another line that uh, girls like to hear all the time. It, it, their music yeah. is moving. Yes. Full of emotion. Hey, no, whatever cool. you love. Whatever gets you through the night, baby. Exactly. Uh, we are on treacherous terrain, folks. Uh, love songs can be really, really crappy. But uh, I know we got some volunteers out there who've got some suggestions. We have Junko out there ready to suggest a song, a love song for us that uh, will stand the test of time. I've chosen More Than Words by Extreme. Wow. Wow. And, and there's only a couple of hundred people here that you're admitting that in front of. And Is there a, a... Why? 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 <laughs> Well, it's a give and take. You know, as a practical but romantic woman, it has all the elements of everlasting love, which is open communication and give and take. No, I didn't mean why the, that <laughs> sentiment. I meant why extreme. <laughs> oh, it's just a cool song, you know, like back in high school in 91 when they came out with it. It was a cool song then. It's a cool song now. It's always high school, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. I know. You don't ever okay. change. <laughs> you know what? I've forgotten what this song sounds like, so I'm really curious to hear I've what I've been it, really trying to if, keep if it If something, forgotten. I missed something the first time <laughs> right. around. More than words to show you feel That your love for me is real What would you say If I Claudia Cassidy Theater prohibits lighters in the air, folks. Please don't. <laughs> and wasn't that the, the guy who sang? Wasn't that Gary Sharon who was the third and least interesting singer That's right. in Van Halen? Future Van Halen singer. And Nuno Betancourt last seen making a boob of himself besides Perry Farrell and Satellite the, Party. The band last fifteen forget? minutes. They're coming back this summer. They just came back right now. Yeah. <laughs> they're back. Junko, that'd right. be very brave. We're of not you. mocking Thank your you taste. We're just that. mocking extreme. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I think we're going to like this next one better. We got Beth out there. Beth, are you? Hi, Beth. Hi. What have you got for us? Um, my song is In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel. Wow. And this is probably one of my favorite albums, and it's the title track. And I think it's just a wonderful love song about being young and um, living in the moment. Yeah, this is one of the best albums ever made. Yeah, Neutral Milk Hotel. This is an incredible album. But basically, he was losing his marbles and sitting alone in a basement <laughs> making this record. Right. And I think it's about questioning your sexuality. I think. <laughs> well, did you, did you get that part of no, it? No, I, I was thinking, um, like, one of the themes is Anne Frank, and the other one is about like, taking a girl away from her abusive parents. Um, mm. So I think this song on its own, away from those themes, is a really great love song, but... Thinking about the deeper themes, it doesn't really pan out as well. Well, this is one of those albums that's so complicated. You can hear everything yeah. in there. Yeah. And the music behind this is just beautiful, too. He's like the, uh, the great white whale now, Jeff Mangum. He of, is the, he is the Sid music. Barrett. Where, where, of, is he, where is he now? Is he ever going to make another record? Yeah, no, he kind of lost his marbles after these two brilliant records. This yeah. was the last one, and then he disappeared forever. And, and when people go and knock on his door, he, he uh, you know, won't answer and stuff. <laughs> oh, and it's, it's kind of sad. I know he made his first album in a walk-in closet. He made his second album in somebody's basement. And yeah. the third album... That was it. No, there was no from. third. There was two. All right, so right? let's hear two, two records? Yeah, yeah I believe Two so. albums. Mm-hmm. 
Neutral Milk Hotel. Nice choice, Beth. Uh, you are listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We are in the midst of our Valentine's Day show live here at the uh, Chicago Cultural Center, and it's a, it's a great place. We're happy to be here. And now we're going to get to the good stuff, the, the really racy. We figured, you know, eternal love, right? Love stinks. There's one other category. Knocking boots. <laughs> You know, lust, lust just, songs. you know, why don't we do the it in the road the songs, songs, you know? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Let's get right to the point. You know, there's no pretense about love or any of that kind of foreplay, none of that stuff in here. This is just about, let's get right to it. When it comes to lust, when it comes to the, the rawest, most primal expression in rock and roll of unbridled lust, I don't think you can do better than the Trogs, <laughs> you know? And here is this band of, uh, of guys who would have been bricklayers, like yeah. all of their fathers, in rural Andover, uh, Hampshire, England, in the mid-60s. They could put on the suits like the rest of the British invasion bands, but they had uh, a distinct disadvantage. They could not play, and they had no talent. <laughs> but they didn't let that stop them. They were audacious. So you had this guy, Reginald Ball, who remakes himself as... Reg, Reg Presley. Presley. Yeah. And not only does he think he can sing, not only does he think he's is a rock god, but he thinks he's sexy. And he has no hesitation to express this. Now, of course, Wild Thing is the single that made them, which they didn't write. You know, an American, Chip Davis did. Uh, but the third single, you know, once they started writing, I mean, I just think they were geniuses. They were poets. They were bards, <laughs> especially in the love song mode. Third single, B-Side, 1966, right? I Want You. There are 11 words in the song, <laughs> repeated, right? And, th- and one of those is O, oh, so I don't even know if that really counts. But 11 they, words, one chord. They mince uh, no words. <laughs> one chord, 11 words, you know, one, two, three, four beat. And, and this is just, I mean, how much more, I mean, that, it says it all, right? Now, you, are you going to mud honey this, or are you going <laughs> to... I want you I can't stand it alone on my own I want you I need you I need you I need you, need you, need you so bad I said I want you Y'all still awake? I want you. I want you to want me. I want you. I want you. 
version of I Want, I want you, you, by the way. You realize, Robbie, there are more chords in all those songs you dropped in there than the entire Trog's 12-album <laughs> catalog. You know. set, yeah. I mean, they just... But see, the whole thing is that, you know, it goes on and on. I want you, I want you, boom, boom, boom. Right? And then at the end, he goes, and I hope you want me too. Just that little <laughs> hint that maybe just... A little hint that maybe she, he's worried about what she's thinking. You just know? even maybe. Yeah. Just maybe. Okay. Uh, you're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, and we're in the midst of our Valentine's Day showcase live at the Chicago Cultural Center, and we thank you again for coming. And this is kind of the Our Song segment, the couple segment of the show. We've got a couple up here, Robbie and Donna, who've done a few uh, uh, songs for us, and uh, we're going to go through some famous pop music couples, and we sort of dug up what their song was. And uh, first and foremost, June and Johnny Cash, um, June Carter Cash, Johnny Cash, a lot of people may remember uh, June wrote the song Ring of Fire about her relationship with Johnny before they actually got married. They were both married to other people at the time, and, and June Carter wrote this song about Johnny and the relationship that they were having and about stepping into this ring of fire with this guy that she was attracted to. But the song that we chose for tonight is uh, a song that Cash wrote that June and, and Johnny sang a lot in their later years. It's called Meet Me in Heaven. And uh, it's basically husband and wife singing about uh, what's going to happen to us after we die. Are we going to meet in heaven? And about the promise of meeting in heaven. And um, it really became their song in the later years of their life. Here's a little bit of, uh, of that. We walk troubles, brooding wind-swept hills And we loved and we laughed the pain away at the end of the journey when our last song is sung Will you meet me in heaven someday? Can't be sure of how it's going to be When we walk into the light across the bar But I'll know you and you'll Only a few months apart that they died, so, yes. uh, you know, he couldn't wait to follow her up there, I guess. Sad. Sad stuff. Uh, we are talking about our song, their song, in our case. You notice how we, we avoided actually choosing 
are. I mean, Deb and Carmel have to put up with enough crap. We are opting out and putting the blame on rock stars. And uh, yeah, June and, and Johnny are an inspiring couple. I turn to a, a just as inspiring couple, <laughs> Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love. And people will laugh, you know, but this is, I'm sorry, when I sat in that house on, on Lake Washington in Seattle where uh, tragically his life would end in six months, uh, Kurt loved her. You know, I know she's a holy terror. I know she's fairly despicable. I know she's become a gross caricature of a cartoon, of a parody. But he loved her. He honestly did. You know, you could see it in his eyes. And this was their song. It was their song. It was, it was the first song he ever bought on a 45. And she loved it because it was cheesy in the 70s in L.A. And he loved it. I'll tell you why he might have loved it. And it's a little frightening. Terry Jacks recorded the song. It was actually based on a French song that was written by Jacques Brel, and it was called Les Moribund, The Dying Man. And I had no idea that Terry, Terry Jacks rewrote Season in the Sun from this French song. And he wrote it for the Beach Boys, who recorded it and decided it was so twisted and sick they could never <laughs> release it. If that's not weird enough, Link Ray played guitar on it. Wow. Link Ray of Rumble. I mean, how much stranger can you get? I don't know <laughs> if it was the weirdness of, of this kind of suicidal moribund thing that appealed to Kurt Cobain or if it was just... Maybe they were doomed from the beginning if this was their song, but it was. So, Seasons in the Sun. Goodbye to you, my trusted friend. We've known each other since we were nine or ten. Together we've climbed hills and trees. Learned of love and ABC. Skinned our hearts and skinned our knees. Goodbye, my friend, it's hard to die. Birds are singing in the sky Now that the spring is in the air Pretty girls are everywhere Think of me and I'll be there We had joy, we had fun We had seasons in the sun But the hills that we climbed Were just seasons out of time Yeah, that's twisted, huh? A little strange. Nobody has anything to say after that. I don't know. <laughs> we thank everybody for coming out. We're going to wrap this up. We do want to get to uh, Robbie and Donna's song. All right, Donna Falk, should we do it? You know the words okay? If not, we'll get Allison up here to do it. Well, she's got a timber like a Texas storm. My will's strong as brick. Sometimes when we want to get along, we both got to get apart quick. So we take our troubles on the town to man, but the town's too small for that. So we take our stools and we just pretend we don't know where the other one's at. Parallel bars, one at my feet, one on the opposite side of the street. We're two hearts that just can't meet, high till the heartache's gone. Thank you. 
Man, it was fun to get out of the studio and bask in the love, Greg. Yes, indeed, Jim. And uh, next week is going to be fun, too. We're going to do a classic album dissection on the 30th anniversary of one of our favorite albums of all time, the Ramones' Rocket to Russia. Got some people to thank, in particular at the Chicago Cultural Center for hosting that event. Michael Orloff, Clark Hayes, and everybody who worked over there. As always, Sound Opinions is produced by Todd Bachman, Matt Spiegel, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn. We get some legal help from Dino Armiros. The folks over at American Public Media help bring us nationwide. And Tori Southside Malatia is a man we love dearly. On Valentine's Day, but every day. What are you getting me for Valentine's Day, Jim? A Fallout Boy t-shirt. Oh. In the drawing room, a group of suspects gathered. The detective has solved the mystery. Ladies and gentlemen, the butler did it. (laughs) You'll never catch me. The butler darted to his getaway car. But what he didn't know is this is a Nissan sales event ad. Wait, what? And his car is no match for the detective's Nissan Rogue or its standard VC turbo engine. Save on one of your own at the Nissan Thrill of the Drive sales event. Now get 0% APR financing for 36 months on select models. Availability is limited. For well-qualified buyers, 0% APR financing for 36 months available on new 2023 Altima Rogue and Pathfinder when financed through NMAC. Must take delivery from new dealer stock. 36 months financing at $27.78 per month per thousand financed. Actual down payment may vary subject to residency restrictions and NMAC credit approval. Not all buyers qualified. Dealer contribution may affect actual price set by dealer. Contact dealer for details. Offer ends 228 23